0: Welcome to the Ripple podcast, the podcast where we tell you stories about strange and unusual things and the ripples they create. I'm Angela and I'm Rosa and this is the Ripple podcast. Get Ripple, the bright new drink the that, ring-a-ding flavor Ripple. All right, are we starting for real now? We are. It's um later than normal we've had dinner we've had beer we've had lots of Instagram we've had uh, some some heavy talk yeah some some shit's going down in the world and it's it's not rainbows and flowers no but we're here to brighten up your day provide you with a little break from reality Hopefully. I mean, we're going to tell you real stories. Oh, yeah. Very, very real stories. But not like the current reality. Yeah. We're kind of like putting... What is that? Rose-colored glasses on. Yes. Some Rosa and Angela-colored glasses. What color would I be? Um, If you ask my... <gasps> oh, my gosh. What happened? I was going say- <sighs> to Okay, out of all of the strange, like, fo- I guess it wouldn't fall under those categories. So, you know how Eden has that, like, color association thing? Oh, yeah. That's what I should have done my story on. Because Eden says you're black. Like, that's your color. What? Yeah, she has colors for everybody. And she started this when she was really little. It's like, so... months old. Months old. It's... And I've heard a bit about people, too, who have color associations with, for, with days. Mm-hmm. So, like Tuesdays are yellow and Wednesdays are brown and like they have all these associations and it's just like or sexes like Mondays are male and oh. Tuesdays are male, but Wednesdays are female, but a lot of languages have um feminine and masculin- masculine masculine uh-huh, Spanish yeah yeah um, interesting Um yeah, so oh, I'll have to well, well anyways, we'll have to. Use that for a future story. I don't even know what that w- would be called. It's uh, it's like system. It's spelled like system something. That's how I, always, I look it up. Like system and then I search color association. Interesting. Yeah, I totally forgot uh-huh. about that. Because her colors have not changed. She's six years old and she still associates herself yeah. with orange and purple. And me with yellow and green. And Nick with blue. And mom with red. And... Eric with white. I mean, yeah, Eric's always been white. I've always been black. Does Adam have a color? Is he green too? I don't know if he has a color. Oh. It's it's a lot of it is people that she's known. I mean, she's known Adam forever, but um, I'll have to ask her if Adam has a color. I feel like he's green. And if she doesn't like have an association for that person, she'll say, I don't know. What's your favorite color? And so she, it's like she asks them. She's giving you a color association? Mm-hmm. Huh. Now I'm really interested. Now I need to go back and look at all of this, the information relating to that. Because it was, I've heard, ah, I've heard about it before. And I know that people have it for varying things. Like for for different parts of their life. Like, oh, when I was younger, my memories are all tinted yellow. Mm-hmm. And then like certain parts are, ah, the brain's a crazy thing. What would that be? Well, how could we incorporate that into our ripple? I don't know. Strange... It's not a phobia. It's no. strange. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. Okay. S- somehow. Because there's that and then there's my weird third eye blindness. We could we could talk about. So Eden has extra visual visual I don't know what Memorizations, you Memorizations associations and you have none. Uh-huh. She took them from you. She did. Except I never she had any. She stole your third eye. She did. Because I can't see anything in mine. So weird. hmm So weird. Let's do it. We'll have to figure out how to, how to do that sometime. Okay. But today, we're talking about phobias and um, passions, unusual... Pleasures. Pleasures. Yeah. Strange and unusual. Strange and phobias unusual. Phobias and pleasures. Not that these people are strange and unusual. No, they're just rare. They're a rare breed. (laughs) Yeah. They're extra special in the best ways. Okay. Are you telling me a story first? I'm telling you a story first. Uh, It's my turn this week. And I um, had a little bit of a last minute put together. So I don't have a drink. So I'm just drinking some of the leftover beer from um, last week's episode. So it's more of the Blood Orange Dogfish Head IPA, and it's good stuff. Um, Are you doing a pleasure or a fear? Or do I have to wait? Pleasure. Pleasure. I'm doing a pleasure. And I debated doing this, but we'll just get into it. So my story is about a woman named Erica Labry. Okay. Okay. Erica. She was made famous when she decided to marry the love of her life, the one and the only, the Eiffel Tower. Oh, you're going right for it. Oh, yeah. So this happened back in 2007 when Erica changed her name to Erica Eiffel. Oh, that's a cool name. Yeah. Erica fell in love with the Eiffel Tower uh, just by its just sheer beauty and just magnitude and just the feeling that she felt when she was near it. And she developed a relationship and they finally decided to take it to the next level and have a wedding in 2007. So it had nothing to do with its kind of phallic oh, shape? Oh, no, I'm not saying that at all. I oh. mean, there's many things to appreciate about the Eiffel Tower, one of which that it is... Slightly resembles a very erect member. <laughs> um, yeah, so let me tell you about So she it. married it? How is She married it. How is that possible? How do you marry an object? Is it legal? Is I that a stupid question? I don't think it's legal. I don't know. Oh, she's it's, married like in her heart. Well, they had a ceremony. She's married. She changed her name. Okay, so this is kind of going back to the whole like system whatever that word is like association Mm -hmm. so does the Eiffel Tower have a sex yes oh oh okay I'm totally asking a million questions and I haven't even let you tell one paragraph yet okay go okay (laughs) so we're gonna back up a step and tell you a little bit more about Erica so she was serving enlisted in the United States Air Force and this is back in 1993 as she went to the Air Force Academy and that during her first year, she was actually sexually assaulted by another cadet. Oh, that's horrible. But she was able to fight off her attacker with a training sword. So you know how they do those ceremonial sword, Oh, wow. Saber uh-huh, like knighting-looking thing? Yeah. Um, and after that, she actually was dismissed from the academy because they diagnosed her with a personality disorder. And the reason that they came to that conclusion is because once she fought off her attacker with this sword she became just so attached to this sword which was a form of protection for her that she slept with it every night she wanted to hold it all the time and it was her sword and it was the one thing that she said protected her so she kind of developed this relationship with it okay which totally makes what go ahead a lot of people sleep with like a bat under their bed or i mean for protection that's that's not true. that rare. I mean, I guess like in bed with you, cuddling up to you is a little more strange. Yeah. I I mean, it makes sense. though. But right? she had like some serious trauma. Like let the lady heal. Well, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, if they're in the academy. Yeah. They might not have time to let her do so. All right. So she gets out of the Air Force. She, um, later on, she has this boyfriend that she's kind of pursuing. I don't know if they were exclusive or whatever, but they're kind of in a relationship, kind of dating. But he was actually, um, I guess it would be considered an archer person that shoots bow and arrow. Archery. Yeah. Archerson. And she actually became attracted to his compound shooting bow. And she was more attracted to the bow than she was to him. Oh. Okay. So all right so that's different Mm -hmm. they split ways no the bow stayed with her oh uh when they broke up she kept the bow and then she took up competitive shooting um just uh she was more than just in love with this bow she actually developed a relationship what happened to the sword i don't know she broke it off with it maybe or maybe it belonged to the air force maybe she had to 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 leave it behind yeah so she admired the strength and the beauty of the sleek curves of this bow. And over time, they took it to the next step. And this became a sexual relationship. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. Yes. Okay. But this relationship really thrived. Because together, they won first place in a shooting compound bow, I guess, tournament? I, I'm really ignorant to this. But I, I mean, I do. Ex- Contest? Competition? Yeah. Sure. For the FITA and Olympic rounds at three national cup tournaments—that's what it is, tournaments: oh. the Arizona Cup, the Texas Shootout, and the Gold Cup. Uh, following their sweep, they went on to win win a gold at the FITA team record with Team USA, and like the Olympics, like yeah, like hardcore forty second World Target Championships in New York City. So this was straight up like traveling tournament. Not just, like, backyard shooting at a bale of hay. Like, they were a team to be reckoned with, the two of them. Wow. She named him Lance, by the way. I think I, I forgot to say that Lance. part. Her and Lance. Uh, they were just killing it. They were stealing titles and doing all the stuff and the things. But over time, the relationship, like many do kind of decided to dwindle and faded away and they kind of parted ways. Uh, that is later on when she met the Eiffel Tower, her one true love. And that's when they were married. And they met in person or like she just like, was no. it like a um, online relationship at first? I'm not sure if it was, if it started out from a distance and then it became a in-person slash tower relationship or if maybe perhaps on one of the tournament circuits she she had a chance she was meeting. from the u.s yes yeah but she went all over the world and uh-huh. she still is going all over the world as a archer no not anymore because of that relationship that they broke fell off. apart Uh huh. she put down the bow <laughs> um it's so hard to, yeah i can't it's so hard to do the straight face with you I want to respect her wishes, but I have so many questions. Um, Remember when I did my unicorn cult story? Yes. And there was a girl that I was having a relationship with the lamp. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. It totally is. Yeah. And uh, these relationships, like I watched this documentary on her and I have the name for it towards the bottom of my notes. I'll get to it. What? What's that? Uh, I just thought, like, okay, so she had a sexual relationship with the bow. Yeah. Did she? Ha- how does she have a sexual relationship with the Eiffel Tower? Well, some people, and I'm not sure about the specifics of their private relationship, but some people <laughs> have. Uh, You're so good at this. Either pieces of their lover. And I don't think she has a piece of the Eiffel Tower, but they could also have Eiffel Tower like souvenirs, replicas and statues and oh. things like that. OK, um, but I don't believe that Erica has these anymore because heartache is no less real for Erica and the Eiffel Tower they divorced oh well that's sad news it is really sad um she does say that this was her greatest love and uh it, who broke it off with who i don't know <laughs> i don't know the details i mean it's a private relationship <laughs> you're respecting their privacy <laughs> but i will tell you that once the sparks faded she did have a rebound with the berlin wall oh shut up I Fences, just random fences uh, no i mean she's she's very open when she talks about this stuff and i encourage you if you're interested in this to watch the documentary uh um, oh, yeah give your sources and i'll i'll find it it's buried in here but i'll definitely tell you once i get to that part she's just like when you first see her walk up to one of these lovers of hers it's it's like somebody who is really admiring a piece of artwork like in a museum she's describing like wow this is just so powerful when I look at it I feel safe or I feel small or I feel however that particular thing makes her feel and she admires like the um the smooth lines, or the architecture, or the way which I totally understand. I I have had art or music like evoke emotions, emotions, a hundred percent, and that's this, but but mm, amplified uh, to a point where it's sexual, romantical. Oh, yes. Yeah, I haven't had that. <laughs> yeah, it's um. It's unique to say the least, but so let me tell you a little bit more. She's also felt extremely attached to an F-15 fighter jet. Oh. Yeah, which I mean. I can get on board with that. That's like, I mean. Okay, this just popped into my brain. But how many, uh, specifically guys, have you heard or seen say like, oh man, that that gun is sexy that car is well and and boats planes cars they're always female have you oh. ever noticed that they're always female well yeah. how, how many cars do you know that are male my truck was a boy kermit he was a boy He was a little boy he was a little boy he was a young child yeah he's like a tadpole not even a real yeah. frog um. Yeah, and other at one point she had a relationship with the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow, she's going for the big dogs. Yeah, I mean she doesn't settle. That's for sure. So she's very very open about this, and I appreciate that how open she is because it brings awareness and uh, allows other people who may have a special feeling about their car or boat or so is that like a washing machine? Thing. <laughs> <She's> a- <laughs> Showerhead, I was gonna say <laughs> the spin cycle, perhaps. Um, <laughs> is there a terminology yep. for it? Okay, and that's actually my ripple. So I, it's kind of a short, condensed story here. Um, but the ripple is a little bit more in depth, and I had a few other things to talk about later. But uh, let me get to that part. So, um, there's this is a quote from Vice magazine, and this is after she broke up with her greatest love, the Eiffel Tower. Uh, for her objectum sexuality is not an affliction or an addiction or it's an orientation the way we are inclined and while it is one thing to have your heart broken by something as unruly as unpredictable and flawed as a person it's must be quite another to lose something as stable unmoving and apparently constant as the eiffel tower so she actually founded the os uh, international so that's Objective. Objectum Sexuality International, and it's an org- organization for those who develop significant relationships with inanimate objects. She claims that her object relationship with Lance, which was the competitive bow, helped her become a world-class archer. She first encountered the Eiffel Tower in 2004 and felt an immediate attraction. She told ABC News that, quote, I feel... An innate connection to objects. It comes perfectly normal to us to connect to various levels, on various levels, emotionally, spiritually, and also physically for some. Um, On their second anniversary of their marriage, she appeared on Good Morning America to explain her object love and how it empowered her. Uh, She's had a 20... Oh, I'm sorry. She did have a 20-year relationship with the Berlin Wall. So I don't know if those overlap. Wow, that's serious. Um, yeah. Uh, she uh, She's been all over the world talking about these things and kind of normalizing it. And there are some psychologists and mental health specialists who she's talked to during these various interviews that she's done. And she goes into talking about how like she had kind of a rough upbringing where she was, uh, I think she w- went through the foster system. She was at one point mm-hmm. not in a stable family. And a lot of these mental health specialists are like, OK, well, that trauma is probably what contributed to you having these feelings for inanimate objects and one kind of amazing thing is that she put it as like well if that's what made me the way that i am i'm glad it happened embracing it yeah so i'm like good for yeah. her um so i thought it was kind of silly and uh, interesting a little funny at first but you know what do what you want to do if you're not hurting anybody i am. Um just this weekend, I can I competed. I guess it's a com- competition. Um, every year, I do um, it's the Gish, the Greatest Internet Scavenger Hunt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You told and me about that. It's like a hundred items, and you're on a team. And obviously, like we couldn't get together because a lot of the years, like you have to get find each other and do all kinds of silly stuff. Well, this was all like stay at home stuff. Oh yeah, that's got to make it a little different. So one of the um, items on the list was find an inanimate object that looks like it has a face mm. so a rock a tree a whatever but I was thinking like that like something simple like that um one of the checklist items was actually one of the harder ones for me to do like because I I guess I just don't I mean obviously she's not seen a face in the um Eiffel Tower but Like, she had a connection with something that was strictly an object. She sure did. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Erica Eiffel? I don't know what her last name is now. Because she got a divorce. I don't know. Maybe she kept the name. I met this guy. Not met this guy. I talked with this guy. And he was a teacher a long time ago. And he was telling me about one of his past students um, named Princess um high school student and um i kind of giggled like princess you know like like how many girls would love 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 to have that name and then i'm sure she's one of the ones that would be like oh my gosh my parents named me princess but it goes on that her last name was white and her middle name was snow oh princess snow white <laughs> and it was like her real like real name like on roll call why do people do that that was kids? a little brutal yeah like princess like okay that might be bad enough but princess snow white oh man and you know she's gonna be like the most goth girl <laughs> like she's gonna just take I it to the opposite Disney. extreme she's gonna dye her hair black she's gonna put on all of the black eyeliner imagine princess snow white oh man wow be? yeah So Erica, if you want to know what she's up to now, she's um, she's now working as a a tower crane operator and hundreds of feet in the air. She's slowly building a new relationship with her crane. I was going to say that sounds like it might form into something. She says it took me to uh, 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 it took me a very long time to accept that maybe it's okay to start another relationship. She explains, echoing the sentiment of the widows and divorcees across the world, I thought I'd never fall in love again, but being a crane tower operator, or is it tower crane operator, no one can question or bar me from getting to know this object. I feel like the buildings we're creating together is almost like children. Oh, that's kind of that. deep. Wow. And people, how old is she? I don't know. She's done everything, huh? Seriously, she's been all over the world, had a 20-year relationship. Yep. Very accomplished woman. Now she's just starting raising her children. She just is. Wow. It's never too late for love. It's never too late. And as I was going through this, I was thinking of like some of the great things that it would be like to have, um, you know, Eiffel Tower, Golden Gate Bridge, whatever, as your significant other. It's like you never have to worry about where they are yeah they're never gonna lie to you people are always telling you what they're up to absolutely they're tagged all the time in social media you know exactly what they're doing Uh uh-huh and what time of day it was (laughs) they're never gonna argue about what netflix show to watch no you've got the remote Mm -hmm. except when it's like i don't know i've never been to to paris but i think they do like a nightly light up show on the eiffel tower like to music and lights and stuff I think they do. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. So just during that time, you know, they'd get to call the shots. Yeah. That's that's a compromise. Sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. So the more you know. Ta-da. All right. You want to hear my story? Yeah. Um, I have to pause it because I have to go get your drink. It's been in the freezer. Oh, okay. All right. We're back. And I have a drink for you here. And... You. I'm not gonna tell you what's in okay. it. I okay. Do, I, do you need some prep? Nope. Oh, okay. It's, it's. I prepped it all at home. Okay. I just need to pour it out for you. Here you all go. Right. Oh, oh my oh, god! Shoot, what spilled. is that? It's like thick brown. <laughs> what I the spilled. hell? Darn it, Eric's oh, gonna kill shit. me. You did spill. What? It's thick. Well, it's it's like a melted frosty looking. Slightly more brown. Taste that. I'm afraid to. Taste that. Okay. Oh. oh. It's good. What in the hell? You don't like it? It's like peanut butter whiskey. I don't know. It's (laughs) thick. (laughs) It's called a peanut butter bushwhacker. Do you want to know what's in it? Is it peanut butter and whiskey? It's an uh, It's got dark rum, vodka, Kahlua, Amaretto, Bailey's, pineapple juice. Pineapple juice. Peanut butter, chocolate syrup. That's too many things. And I didn't have any um, creme de coco, which is like coconut, cream, like cream, liqueur. So I put in a little bit of um, honey, yogurt, and <laughs> coconut flavoring. That's not the same. It's as close as I could get. But I had all the other stuff at home. I was I, I was like somewhat okay with this drink drinking this until you told me there was freaking yogurt in it. Why does that sound so gross? It's just like a smoothie. Don't you put yogurt in your smoothies? No, I don't. Well, you should. It's good for you, protein. Oh, it's good bacteria. Um, well, yeah. So I kind of like it. About this dogfish head IPA. <laughs> I got, it's very peanut buttery, but I love peanut butter. I love peanut butter too, but... Try it again. Try I it again. I don't want it in my cocktails. Have you ever had a um 300-pound gorilla from Jamba Juice? Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. I'm not a huge fan of those. Yeah, because they'll make you weigh 300 pounds. Yeah. Have you had screwball whiskey? No. It's just... It would have been a lot easier if you were looking for a peanut butter drink because it's peanut butter flavored whiskey. Oh, I did see that. You could make a peanut butter and jelly with it. Oh, that mm-hmm. sounds interesting. Yeah, I don't have it though. Oh. You had all these other ingredients I have, on well, hand though. It's funny because ever since quarantine, um, I'm like finishing off bottles that have sat probably for a while. 'Cause like I, I buy something new and then I open it and I have like it for a couple of nights and I'm Oh, I'm kinda bored, so let me get something else. And my my liquor cabinet is probably down to like I don't know, like seven or eight bottles. Oh man, I'm the opposite. Are you collecting? I'm collecting. I am collecting all the bottles. I should have brought something today, but yeah, I was a little rushed. But yeah, every time I go to the store, which isn't very often in quarantine, I'm like, Well, I'm gonna need a few more bottles of wine. Yeah. No, I'm going through. I'm like, I just emptied. Well, with this drink right here, I emptied two bottles. Two. Oh, it was just had like a little bit left. Like the amaretto. Like how often do I drink amaretto? Every time you make flaming Dr. Peppers. Duh. (laughs) I do like amaretto. I actually really like it. Do you like flaming Dr. Peppers? Um, they're delicious. They're amazing. They're so good. Eric has stories about me passed out in the driveway with flaming Dr. Peppers. I've heard those stories. (laughs) Yeah. I think Eric's the one that always makes me my flaming Dr. Peppers. They are think fun. Of it. So. I mean, they did potentially like almost burn down our pool table in college, but. And your <laughs> eyebrows. It's fine. <laughs> They'll grow back. Okay. So with this drink in mind, um, here's my sources. Verywellmind.com, healthline.com um graza fear and good old wikipedia do you want to do yours yeah okay so the the documentary that i was referencing it's the woman who married the eiffel tower it's well that's original pretty on point uh wikipedia and vice is mm, um where a lot of the quotes that. came from mm-hmm. there you go just so you know, too, um, about this drink, I didn't actually have pineapple juice, so I opened one of Eden's um, 100% fruit pineapple tidbit snack packs uh-huh. and poured that in with the juice and just blended it in the Vitamix really well. I can't taste pineapple at all. All no. I taste is peanut butter, yeah. which is really weird. Two. Well, I put in two scoopfuls, two spoonfuls, but that's what it said to do. Okay. So, put that drink in mind. Um, Peanut butter and jelly, or PB&Js as they're commonly known around my house, sandwiches, became famous during the Second World War when soldiers were given this meal. Wait, what are we... Just, here's my history lesson. Okay. For complete nutrition. Well, today, this food has become a standard American classic. Like, millions of school kids... Um, they carry their PB and J sandwiches for lunch, or if you were raised in mine and Angela's family, you had peanut butter and jelly tortilla rolls. Oh yes! But by the time lunch rolled around, it was just an empty tortilla, and all the peanut butter and the jelly was at the corner of the plastic uh-huh. bag. Does bring back lots of memories. <laughs> So it's estimated that an average American school-going kid eats about 1,500 PB&J sandwiches by the time they graduate. Not us. <laughs> so, I am going to say this word once because I don't know how to say it. And you can take your best guess at it as well. But it's... um, Arichi... Buter phobia. Arichi buter phobia. Arichi. A R A C H I B U T Y R O Phobia. Arichi Bitrophobia. <coughs> okay. Well, it comes from the Greek words Arichi for ground nut and uh-huh. buter for butter. Oh, so ground nut butter. Or and then, of course, phobia for fear. So it's the fear of peanut butter. Oh, no. Actually, it's the fear of being choked by peanut butter. <gasps> oh, so peanut butter is like one of my favorite things. You know, that. I love a good nut butter. Like I, I am very like a snob about it. Like I. What's your brand? If I'm going like like. Traditional like grocery store brand. Um, I'm a total Skippy person. Really? Way over Jeff. I don't like either. Well, I'm. I was going big name. Okay. I mean, I like Justin's nut butter. Oh yes, Justin's, Justin's is the best. Mm-hmm. Justin's is his great. the almond nut butter, the cocoa nut butter. I mean, yeah. Go nuts butter RX nut butter. RX nut butter is, is good. really good. I it's had got a- the chunky crystals of like salt in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I had a pocket of that on the, during the marathon. Oh yeah, fun and fact. And you didn't choke on it. Um, I I you know what it. It was a little tough, like trying to swallow a thing of peanut butter while you're on a run. I would think that that would be a rough snack to take on a workout. I wanted that, though, like that protein, that fat. You just needed that nut butter. I love that nut butter in my mouth. Man, if I were ever to fall in love with an inanimate object, it would be a jar of peanut butter. Can we edit that out? (laughs) (laughs) Totally not. (laughs) I'm going to do like a, a sound bite drop. So the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's list of the eight foods for a person most likely to be allergic to, peanuts, of course, are on that list, um, along with tree nuts, fish, shellfish, shellfish, not selfish, shellfish, soy, milk, eggs, and wheat. So those are, like, the most common allergies. And I know, like, in the school system, like, nowadays, um, a lot of schools are totally nut-free. Yeah. Well, and airplanes, too. No more nuts on the airplanes. So the phobia is, it's actually, like I said, it's not really a fear of peanuts, like being crushed into that ke- creamy or crunchy goodness, um, but it's actually rather the situation of having it stick to the roof of your mouth. Oh. Um, so a lot of time it comes from like the fear of choking or the fear of sticky things. Oh, Because that's another phobia of people. Yeah, uh-huh. I can see that. So it's a rare phobia and it's considered to be in like the simple category so there's like simple phobias and then there's complex phobias and like all phobias it's um it varies person to person so some people can actually have this phobia but they can still have like a little bit of peanut butter maybe like mixed in with other food maybe like a peanut butter cookie um where other people can't have like any of it around them at all like having this drink right here would stress them Mm. out it is quite viscous even i hate that word so even the thought of like peanut butter will bring them anxiety um so sometimes it's not just limited to peanut butter either the whole roof of the mouth coating situation is actually more common than you would think like if you think of other things that have that texture there's like nutella bananas avocados like that kind of sticky thicky thick Viscous thing Stop saying that word (laughs) So um external factors Can also trigger it And just the thought Like of peanut butter creeping into Their head um Or having a conversation With someone and like sitting across From them while they're Eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich Can bring on the the stop That noise Um (laughs) Or sorry, I'm like clearing my throat here. Um, A lot of the specific phobias can be traced back to a specific time or traumatic incident. Kind of like what we were saying before, like something in childhood that Uh brought this on. So maybe they had like an allergic reaction to peanut butter at one point. Or maybe they saw someone else or heard of someone else that had a reaction. Uh, and a reaction where they maybe had to get an EpiPen, um, or I don't know. I mean, just the whole thing about schools, like, oh, don't bring nuts into the school. Don't you know? Don't no peanut butter allowed. Oh, those fear-mongering Karens. Right, so Karen. <laughs> um, so maybe even that has brought on the phobia because it's been they've made been it heard so it public. so much, mm-hmm. right? So, um. Choking on peanut butter, like, actually is a pretty common thing that happens. It is not. According to whatever source I got that from, it is. I don't believe you. I'm going to put a big old spoonful of peanut butter on the roof of your mouth. Okay. All right. <laughs> You're like, yes, please. Um. So the anxiety that. Can happen. It can like typical anxiety, like the whole flight or flight feeling, um, when you're in a situation where peanut butter is being served or it's just close to you. Um, they'll have part heart palpitations, nausea, sweating, tremors when they're exposed to peanut butter. It's an awareness that your thoughts about choking on peanut butter might be unreasonable, but you still feel helpless to change your reaction and then the people will actually have difficulty swallowing which will kind of snowball effect cuz you feel like you're like choking right and, t- and so then you really are having a problem swallowing and so oh. it just kind of manis- manifest so okay are these people they may not have any sort of allergy at all right that's weird it's not an aller- it's not an allergic to peanuts or peanut butter it's strictly a can phobia cuz i understand like you have an allergy, therefore you have a phobia. No. No That's allergy. Bizarre. Even though it's delicious. A hundred percent. Man, I can't imagine what happens when Halloween comes around and Reese's has their uh, pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, those are the best. Oh, so good. Did you see the Santas? Was it Reese's? The mm-hmm. Santas? Yeah, they're, no. Christmas trees? Santas. I think it was the Santas. They look like penises? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love races. Oh, man. All right. So treating this phobia, it's actually highly treatable by using cognitive behavior therapy. Um, and then it can actually have a lot of success in just one to three sessions. So the cognitive behavioral therapy is like a type of talk therapy. And it involves discussing your fears or other emotions surrounding the peanut butter, and then you form a plan together to reduce the negative thoughts and fears. Um, there's also exposure therapy or Ooh. systematic desensit- desensitization. Sign me up for that, where you just get exposed to all the peanut butter. Expose yourself, peanut butter. <laughs> Expose it to me. <laughs> it's possible I'm the most Angela peanut butter. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna marry the jar of peanut butter <laughs> after this episode um it's it's a simple way to to treat simple phobias according to the, the professionals. Um, it forces the person to help your brain stop relying on coping mechanisms to deal with fear as opposed to finding the root cause. And then there's also like some people actually need like beta blockers, prescriptions um. Because the thought of the peanut butter is just, like, so inhibiting to them. It's just, they can't function. Um, So there's also um, neuro-linguistic programming, eye movement, desensitization. I can't say that word. um, And reprocessing, yoga, meditation, herbal supplements, and body work or massage therapy. Mm. So all of these things are strictly... They have like a peanut butter in mind when they're doing them. Are they massaging you with the peanut butter? I, oh my gosh, can you imagine like a jacuzzi full of peanut butter? Oh, it'd be kind of like mud. Like it'd be I, thick. You know what? That might actually get stuck in it. Right. I was just thinking that might actually give me peanut butter anxiety if I feel like I'm in a, a vat of peanut butter quicksand. Yeah. But I, I would be down with the hot peanut butter massage. Oh, oh, or a peanut butter facial? I could do that. I could totally. They say peanut butter is good for your hair, too, like a hair mask. Yeah. Might have to do that. But then again, I don't really want to waste delicious peanut butter on no, you just my Just lick face. it. Just lick it off. So this is my ripple because I couldn't get like a whole giant story about just the peanut butter phobia mm-hmm. um, as much as I looked. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about PCA, which is also known as the Peanut Corporation of America. Oh. And they were a peanut processing business with multiple plants in mainly the southern states. And they Where just the peanuts grow gibbered jiv- across the US. Um, it was also one of the most massive and lethal foodborne contamination events in US history. So this guy named Hugh Parnell, he started in the peanut business with Stuart Parnell and his two young brothers in 1977. And they took um, a struggling fifty thousand dollar a year peanut roasting operation and turned it into a thirty million dollar business before they sold in nineteen ninety four. Um, Stuart Parnell he actually continued on as a consultant for a while in the for the Texas plant in two thousand, and then in two thousand one he brought the Blakely uh, or I'm sorry bought the Blakely Georgia operation as well. And um, he tripled the revenue at that plant by 2004, um, turning its first profit in 15 years. So he was like like on it. Like he was making money from these peanuts. Okay. Um, they actually produced more than 2.5 million pounds of peanuts per month. Wow. That's a lot of peanuts. So... Um, this corporation provided peanuts and peanut butter products primarily to, like, quote, institutional food markets, so schools, prisons, and nursing homes. All right. And they sold um, also to manufacturers for, like, use in cookies, snacks, ice cream, dog treats, and other low-end markets. Okay. PCA permanently halted its operations after it was found to be the source of a massive salmonella outbreak in the U.S. That's what I thought. So do you remember this at all? Vaguely. Yeah. It was uh, Peter Pan. Well, they don't name it because it was, well, you'll see. Oh. But that was probably one of the many. Oh. Yeah. Because I remember I had peanut butter pan, peanut butter at the time. Wait, what year was it? 2008, 2009. Um... So what were you doing yeah. during those years? No, because I remember, because I didn't, I was in college. And I went on my first, like, I have to pay for everything myself shopping trips. And that's back when I was like, oh, I got to get the cheapest peanut butter. And oh, it was peanut Pan. It. That's it where was you Peter Pan, And it was awful. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for all of you peanut butter, pa- peanut, <laughs> <Peter> Pan, peanut, peanut <laughs> butter lovers. <laughs> lovers. But yeah, it was terrible. And then I remember hearing about this whole salmonella thing. And I'm like, of course. Of course, it would be the peanut butter that I bought. Yeah. So there had been concerns about sanitation of the company since the mid-1980s, but nothing officially was ever done. Um, They were sued by American Candy Company in 1990 and by Zachary Confections, Inc. in 91 after it was discovered that PCA's products exceeded the FDA tolerance level for um, aflatoxin, which is the mold-derived toxin common to peanuts. So in in 2006, the Nestle Corporation, they completed an on-site audit of the PCA's Plainview plant and gave it a, quote, does not meet standard score on nearly all 40 inspected areas. And then in the Georgia plant, um, there was an inspection in 2008 where they found molds on uh, like the bags holding the peanuts. Yeah. Um they counted 43 mouse droppings and um, they Oh no. <laughs> they saw a live bird walking and flying inside the warehouse. Wait, a 43 per building? Like the whole building? Uh yeah, I guess on the floor, like on the processing mm. floor. And I guess a live bird's better than well, it probably wasn't live for that long And birds Wait. poop a lot um, In 2008 and 2009 The salmonella contamination event um, the, Actually 9 people died Ooh. And at least 714 people And half of them were kids Because that's what kids eat um, Got sick And it was all from the food poisoning After eating those products contaminated by those peanuts. Um and that contamination triggered the most extensive food recall in US history up to that really? time. Really. It involved 46 states, more than 360 companies. So that's when you said like Peter Pan. I was like, well, you know, that was probably one of the many because there were 360 different companies involved and more than 3,900 different products manufactured using the PCA ingredients. So in late 2008 and 2009, um, those people died and um, p- other people were sick. And according to the Center for D- Disease Control, the real numbers were believed to be much higher since like for every reported case of salmonella, on average, there's another 38 or so cases that go unreported. Yeah, oh, That makes sense. Because some people just think they have a stomach bug, or they ate something. You right, know, maybe they don't right. know what it is. So, yeah. if you you know multiply seven hundred fourteen by another thirty eight, I mean, yeah. that's a lot. A lot of math. Those are those are numbers, all right. <laughs> so it um, FEMA actually ever actually had to recall emergency meals that were sent after a massive ice storm. Oh shit! And so since that storm left a whole bunch of people without power the postal service actually had to go door by door to door in kentucky to warn the residents and hand out six hundred thousand flyers in an ice storm during an. i will because like fema drops the food off but oh. yet we can't tell these people oh shoot don't eat that food that we just gave you to survive because it actually might kill you man so there were also food banks ice nationwide storms and mudslides <laughs> Um, nationwide had to discard thousands of pounds of food and um, the recall itself did not involve major brand peanut butters since PCA primarily served only low budget and institutional providers but um, a lot of people obviously like avoided peanut products altogether just for fear and the selling of peanut butter dropped nearly 25% So they discovered that um, this the like kind of the owners or the businessmen um, had known that there was salmonella in their in their products, but they shipped it anyways after like, quote, retesting them. So they got like an alert that said, hey, you've got salmonella. This is a bad batch. And they're like, "Oh, let me test it again. Oh, it's totally good. Let's ship it out, anyways." What? Why would they do that? it's only going to hurt their business. Money, honey. But that's going to lose a ton of money. Well, and that's not all it did. So it happened at least twelve times um, during the two thousand seven, two thousand eight times, and the um, the FDA inspectors. This is a quote that says. Um, They also found mold growing on the plant's ceiling and walls, foot-long gaps in its roof, dead insects near peanuts, and holes in the plant big enough for rodents to enter. Inspectors found that the company also did not clean its equipment after finding the contamination. In 2007, the company shipped chopped peanuts on two occasions, even after salmonella was confirmed by private lab tests. So what's happening here? This is, you know, these people are getting sick. Um, people are dying. They're shipping out contaminated peanuts. So the FBI gets involved. What? Because they're going to press criminal or do a criminal investigation um, of the company. So it was intentional peanut poisoning. Well, it wasn't intentional poisoning, but it was um, knowingly shipping contaminated products, Which makes no sense. Why they because would do that? Because as soon as you find out, they're gonna end up losing so much more money than they could possibly profit from in lawsuits, in recalls, in lost product. Well, I mean, the one of the plant managers informed the one of the owners multiple times, and he's like, "Hey, this needs to be changed. Like, we were we're failing these tests right here," and the owner's like, "Just just keep going. We we can't afford." There's to a bird in the vat, though. No, nope. keep going. Just, just keep grinding Put the feathers. Yep. Um, and then on February twelfth, two thousand nine, Texan health officials ordered um a recall of all products ever shipped from the Texas plant since it opened in 2005. So five, six, seven, eight, nine, four years. So anything that came out of that plant. That peanut butter is long gone. Well, (laughs) you would hope so. And then on February 21st, 2013, four former officials of the company were named in the 75 count indictment. Indictment. Indictment, thank you on charges related to the Simonella Tainted Peanuts and peanut products. So Parnell and his brother were convicted um, in September of 2014 of the 71 criminal counts, including conspiracy, fraud, and other federal charges. And then in 2015, authorities recommended a sentence of life imprisonment for Stuart Parnell. That's a long time. (laughs) Life. He got life. And then both Daniel Kilgore and Samuel Leitze, who were both um, former plant managers, they pleaded guilty on their related charges and they became like government witnesses in the case. And they gave the testimonies during the 2014 trial. Um, And then because they did that, their sentence was lightened. And then in 2015 as well. um, Oh, wait. I just saw that um he was oh yeah the other brother was sentenced to 28 years in prison which is the longest punishment ever handed out to a producer in a u.s foodborne illness case and then his brother michael was sentenced to 20 years um the plant's former quality assurance manager mary wilkin wilkerson was sentenced to five years Jeez, so they were all greedy off that peanut money yeah Samuel Lightsey, the the guy, one of the informers, Uh he got three years in prison and Daniel Kilgore, the other cooperating witness, he got six years. And the U.S. District Judge W. Lewis Sands stated during the sentencing, quote, we place faith that no one would intentionally ship products to market that are contaminated Consumers are at the mercy of food producers for the safety of their products. These acts were driven by profit and the protection of profit, thus greed. Dang, I was really hoping he would have thrown a peanut pun in there. This is nuts. I can't believe you guys would do this. Stop being so crunchy. No? Didn't work? Crunchy? Crunchy peanut butter? Creamy peanut butter? But how are people crunchy? Why... Why is your drink not all the way gone yet? It's actually getting better. See, it's good, it, right? Yeah. It's it's I mean, I wouldn't say good. <laughs> good you, is a little generous. Would you order it again? No. <laughs> but I may maybe might finish half of this one. It tastes like um a peanut butter milkshake. Um That's all it tastes like to me. Again, a little generous. <laughs> with that with that <laughs> statement, yeah. So, man, that's wild. So I know I talked super fast. It, I didn't realize that it would be a, a peanut true crime podcast today. You know, I only bring the best. Yeah, it's something. Um. So next week, we like pre decided that we are going to. Release a lost episode. Yes. So, or re record. Yeah, not, not release. necessarily release one, because but we're going to do one. Um, we recorded this amazing episode. <laughs> and again, very generous <laughs> with that description. <laughs> and it just ended up in the, I don't know, lost files. Um, so it's about hoaxes gone wrong. Yes. Hoaxes, pranks gone wrong and it was a fun one it was and we both already have our stories we're probably going to go back and make some edits and changes and whatnot um but it is a super fun one we both have really crazy stories to tell next week yep so no pulling from the hat this time around but um if you guys have any ideas um send them in to us on the gram or the book and do you want to do along the way? Or no? I'm so sorry. I'm This is still new to me, the whole along the way. Yeah. I I don't. My along the way was kind of the ripple, the uh-huh. PCA. Um, and I meant to mention that. But did, did you have an along the way I that you found along the do, way? I do. Because I found so many fun things when I was searching for this topic. I watched way too much My Strange Addiction oh, on yeah. YouTube. Totally. So, I also came across an infographic on YouTube about uh, the top strangest addiction or phobias. Sorry, not the addiction one, the phobia one. Okay. So, I'm going to read you a name of a phobia and you're going to tell me what it is. Okay. Okay. This one you should probably know: arachnophobia. No. Fear of spiders. Go. Now I just realized how hard these are to pronounce. See, that's why I only (laughs) said it one time. Uh, trypophobia. Uh, fear of holes. Yeah. See, that was an easy one for you to get you warmed up because I know that's also something that Eden has. hmm I know a lot of people have it. It's fairly common. It is. It's, a, it's, another strange one, which, I mean, how do you avoid holes? But- well, it's a certain pattern of, I actually, when I was watching this, it, it made a lot more sense. So it affects about 16% of the population and it's this fear of patterns of dark holes that are placed at somewhat equal spacing against a light background if that makes sense uh-huh and they think that it could possibly be a like a protection mechanism from long 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 time ago like that caveman days yeah caveman days because oftentimes venomous things would have that pattern like frogs and snakes and other Critters that are poisonous, and maybe that's why you have the fear of it. Hmm. Crazy, huh? Yeah. Okay, next one. Turrophobia. 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 Fear of beards. Nope. Cheese. Oh, fear of cheese. I would not. That's nope. I love cheese. Mm, Yeah. I I think I'd rather have a fear of cheese than a fear of peanut butter, though, if I had to pick. It's a tough one. Uh, Next one is omphalophobia. You're not even saying. You're just making up sounds um, now. Omphalophobia. No. Omphalophobia. Fear of fallopian tubes. Oh, you are actually really close. It's a fear of belly buttons. Oh. Either your own or somebody else's how do you be scared of your own belly button because when you're touching it (gasps) it feels like you're feeling your internal organs and they shouldn't be touched like that oh well then don't stick your finger in that hard (laughs) um papahobia 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 fear of popping balloons fear of the pope or other religious objects. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I should just let you read things <laughs> Because I'm really good at reading. Nomophobia. Nomophobia. Noma. 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 Fear of a certain word. Fear of being without your cell phone. Oh. Okay. Epaphobia a Stupid one. <laughs> I'm not pronouncing any of these right. Epiphobia. Fear of teenagers. Mm. Phagophobia. Fear of swallow. This is the peanut butter one. This is a fear of swallowing something that you could po- possibly choke on. Was that in your research? No. You didn't tell me about phagophobia. I didn't, no. Phagophobia. Is a fear of swallowing something associated with the fear of eating or gaining weight, but oftentimes the fear of choking. A person's throat will flex and spasm during a panic attack and expel the unwanted items out of their mouth. Sounds like bulimia. Well, I don't think it gets that far. It's like it's throat and then out, you know? It's Uh, not going all the way down. mm -hmm. Oh, God. Um, Tarascaphobia. terascophobia. Phobia. I I don't even fear much? of dinosaurs. Fear of the number thirteen. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a scary number. No, it's, it's not. It's the scariest of numbers. It's not. A uh, balotophobia. A fear of bathing. Oh, I think I know some people that have that one. I think it's uh. Yeah, it's around. <laughs> it's not one of those secret fears. No, everyone knows you have that fear. Dextophobia. Dexta. Dexta. Dexterious. Fear of the left hand. Oh, you are very close. Fear of having things to the right of you. Oh. And if you have lephophobia, that's fear of having things to the left of you. Dang, I was close on that one. You were very close. Between that and your fallopian tube guess, you are on it. I'm good. Um, Phobophobia. Phoba? Mm Mm-hmm. Phoba. Phoba. Fear of fear. Fear of having a phobia. I should be a doctor. You really should. (laughs) You pretty much have. (laughs) I'm going to put MD Uh, by my name from now on. Doctor Brown, no, oh, that's not my name. Okay, are we good on fears and phobias? Yeah, that was fun. I'm gonna give myself like a, like a C on that test on our podcast recording skills. Well, no, that's like a no. We're not gonna go there. All right. Um, yeah. So yeah. So next week we will be doing um pranks. I almost said the name of my prank. I almost gave it away. No, it's, it's a surprise. It's a fun one, though. You have to build the anticipation. It's a good one. It's a very good one. And that's it, right? Are we yeah. good for this week? I guess so. Thanks I don't for know. listening, everybody. Thanks, and don't forget to be a fountain and not a drain. Bye, bye.